Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, coming to you in the wee hours of uh, Friday morning. It has been a long couple days. I'm actually recording um, in my hometown of Canton, Mississippi. I was born here, got sisters here, staying with one of them. And um, so if things are a little bit funky, it's because the, uh, the studio is different. I'm recording somewhere different. Matter of fact, let me uh, let me turn this fan off so we don't have quite the the background noise. But I promised you guys a show, so here's your show. So, and I think that cleared up some of our racket there. So, uh, listen. Hope you guys are doing well. It is Friday. It is Maroon Friday. I will be wearing maroon today. I haven't gone to bed yet, but I will. When I get up and get moving, I'll be wearing maroon. I uh, hope that you will be too. And how wonderful is it that we live in a country that we can celebrate Maroon Friday as we choose? I think it's important that we celebrate Maroon Friday, whether the university makes a big deal out of it or not, whether we're tweeting out there and using hashtags, and you know we we've done that in the past. But um, you know, I still think it's important for us to be to stand up and be counted as Mississippi State people. And uh, one of the things I want to mention about that, for those of you that are unaware, I am at uh, Mistletoe Marketplace at the Trademark in Jackson, Mississippi, this week. I've been there for two days. I'll be there all day on Friday. Be there from around 8.30 to 9.30 all day Friday. Had a 13-hour day on Thursday. Sold a ton of books. But there's not a lot of people out there wearing Mississippi State and Ole Miss stuff. You know, last year, I guess the animal print thing was kind of big for, uh, you know, the metro area uh, ladies. And so last year, it was like a herd of gazelles kind of intersecting with the group of tigers and... uh, but there's not as much of that anymore. And, uh, but, it, you know, there's, but there's not hardly any state of Ole Miss stuff. And I get the fact that, uh, you know, maybe the season hadn't gone the way that we expected, but uh, I am still proud to be a Mississippi State Bulldog, even in times of trepidation. And, uh, matter of fact, I've had several people come up to me today and say, you know, Steve, you know, I'm patient. I understand we're going to do this. It's going to be a mulligan year and um, kind of get uh, upset with some of our other fans. Yeah, and it, here's the deal about that. I don't, I don't think we should ever let how other people act maybe negatively impact our own emotions and our feelings about our own team. But, you know, I, I, I'm true maroon. And uh, that doesn't mean that I accept mediocrity. That's probably one of my least favorite phrases in the whole world. Well, if, you, if you're still cheering for the team and you accept mediocrity, yeah, go get a life, all right? So the reality of this situation is uh, we're going to bounce back. I suspect we bounce back this weekend. I expect Mississippi State to win the football game. I've got some things to share with you when we preview that game that are probably of great interest to you. It's not just going to be your regular game preview. There's some rumors out there. I'm going to confirm some of that. I'm going to share with you what I've learned. But we'll get that a little bit later in the show. I want to remind you, two Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, I love working with Bulldog Burger Company because it's, it is a program and a place of excellence. You know, great people, great food, great prices, great atmosphere. Two great locations to serve you on University Drive right here in Starkville and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Go by, have the spring rolls. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. And we all need more of that. But uh, listen, a great restaurant quality hamburger is one of those deals, man, where you, you're kind of treating yourself doesn't necessarily have to be a cheat day could just be a good day or a great day maybe you're not even celebrating anything other than life you go have a great hamburger makes you feel better 
you want to get a substantial portion, you get that at Bulldog Burger Company. I encourage you today, go by, check them out. And listen, if you don't have tickets to the game, or maybe you're, you know, maybe you opted out this year or whatever, you can go congregate at Bulldog Burger Company with other college football fans and have a great time. Have an adult beverage, have a chocolate shake, whatever suits your fancy. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, I can't promise you how long we go tonight. I can't. I'm really tired. I'm not going to lie to you. You probably can hear it in my voice. I'm really tired. But, uh, you know, I think it's important to get these things out here. You know, just because I have some additional responsibilities in my life doesn't mean that I, I neglect these. And uh, I think it's important, especially we're getting ready to play football this weekend. It's not a big schedule this weekend uh, in the SEC. So we're going to go ahead and get started and kind of look at the uh, kind of the games that are around us. You know, there's just the... Uh, you know, there's just four games on the SEC slate this weekend. Of course, we've got, uh, you know, other teams out there playing uh, other conferences, and so there's plenty of things to watch, but not as much SEC football this weekend. Let's start with the early game. Uh, you guys are where Florida, Georgia, 2.30. It's going to be opposite the Mississippi State Vanderbilt game, so there's no 11 a.m. SEC Network game on Saturday. Florida, Georgia, uh, I, I like this game. I like Georgia in the game. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's because of the fact that uh, I'm used to Dan Mullen kind of dropping these games. Because every year we'd have those games where we, it was a chance for us to kind of take the next step. And I, Florida, you know, early on you looked at them and said, well, you know, there's some anomalies with this defense. You know, there's some rust there. Grantham will get them going. They're not really good on defense. You know, Florida kind of has this, uh, you know, over the years, you know, when Urban was at Florida, they, they you know, they held held Georgia accountable. You know, Georgia couldn't get over the hump. They couldn't, they couldn't find a way to win that ball game in Jacksonville. But, uh, you know, it's different coaches now there now. You know, Urban's not there. Rick's not there. I don't know if Florida has that same mental edge. And, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, you know, when you, you begin to kind of look at the culture and stuff, yeah, there there are times that Dan coaches scared. He does, and as great a coach as he is, but these big season and program defining games, Dan a lot of times coaches not to lose, and as a result, ends up losing. That's one of the things that I'll say about Kirby Smart. You know, they had the fake punt, you know, everybody, you know, against Alabama, and everybody kind of panned the decision. Man, the guy's not scared to go, you know, ask his guys to make a play for him. He coached to win the game. And sometimes that doesn't work out. But, you know, there have been so many times we talked about the kind of the Mullen malaise is that uh, we'd have an opportunity to make a play or do something great, and we wouldn't do it. We'd kind of pull the reins back and just kind of hope maybe the defense could get a play for us or perhaps the other team would turn the football over. We thought maybe they'd lose it and give us the ball game. Well, Kirby Smart's not going to give Dan Mullen the ball game. And I think in the end the teams take on – the persona of their head coaches. And if I had to pick between Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen when it comes to toughness, I'm going to go with Kirby Smart. That's not to say that Dan Mullen doesn't beat tough football teams on the field because he does. I mean, look at what he did at Mississippi State, Matt Bayless, they changed the culture here. But when it gets down to mental fortitude on game day, I got to go with Kirby. Now, Dan might get, this might be that you know program or career-defining win for, for Dan, that puts Florida back over the hump and kind of gets them back in the deal because if they lose this ball game, if they lose this ball game, they're out of the race for the SEC East. 
it, I mean, it's over. You I mean, it, 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 mathematically, it's not over, but Georgia goes up two in the, you know, goes up, uh, you know, basically two in the loss column here. It's going to be very, very difficult for Florida to come back from that. I mean, that, that was the thing when you looked at all this with, with Florida is, you know, all they needed to do is to control their own destiny and then maybe, just maybe, Georgia would drop a game along the way and give Dan some room to work with. And then what does Dan and them do? They go out there and blow it. And they still have, you know, some, some other games on the schedule that uh, you look at and say, you know, Florida should win that. But, you know, I don't know. I could see somebody kind of pulling an upset there. But, you know, uh, the the SEC East Championship, in many respects, is going to be one on Saturday. It's going to be one on Saturday. I think it's going to be Georgia. As anemic as their quarterback play has been, as pedestrian as things have become on that offense, you know, when you've got the athletes they have on defense, then they can match up with those Florida receivers. I, mean, I can see this being a low-scoring game. I mean, I'm, I mean I'm, really, I could see it 17-13. But at the end of the day, defense wins championships. I think the Georgia defense is simply better than the Florida defense. So I like Georgia in the game. We'll get to Vandy and Mississippi State a little bit later in the show. Texas A&M at South Carolina. This game intrigues me for a lot of reasons. Because, you know, one of the reasons why is because South Carolina has been better at home this year. And the fact that uh, A&M's just kind of lying out there in the reeds a little bit. You know, it's like they're kind of quietly under the cover of the fact that, you know, they they lost to Alabama. And so everybody kind of says, well, you know, that, that they're second in the West. So that, you know, that's the best they can hope for. You know, Alabama's 6-0. A&M's four and one, but um, you know when you begin to look at the schedule, A&M's got back-to-back road games. Got to go to South Carolina, then you got to go to Tennessee, then you host Ole Miss at home. You know, and so and that's going to be an interesting game, especially if Ole Miss continues to progress on offense. But I think there's a good chance A&M's drops one of these games, uh, one of these next three. I think, you know, South Carolina's one of those deals where, you know, they're kind of sandwiched in there a little bit. You know, A&M survives that game against Arkansas. Proved to be a very entertaining game, but you know, A&M was in control. Then you start thinking ahead, okay, you're having to go to Knoxville and there's still some mystique about that place. I mean, it's almost like South Carolina's kind of right there, kind of sandwiched in just a little bit. Is Tennessee capable of beating the A&M? Yeah, they are. I don't know that they will. Is South Carolina capable of beating A&M? Yeah, but I don't know that they will. But I honestly think this is the one that Jimbo and I'm got to watch out for. I really do. And because, uh, you know, South Carolina is a little bit uh, jack one high this year. But at the same time, you know, what Mike Bobo is doing there, you know, Colin Hill, I mean, they're, they're making some plays down the field. And I, I think that A&M defense, that secondary, is susceptible and so I could see South Carolina surprising some people here. I'm not ready to call the upset. I think a and going to win this game. But I think it's I think this could be a very entertaining game. And I would not be the least bit surprised if South Carolina found a way to win this game, especially at home. Gamecocks have been pretty salty there in the, at Williams-Brice. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that game breaks out. You know, We're going to play mid-afternoon, so we'll have a chance to kind of finish up and get home. And uh, there's a couple of good ball games on then I cap Tennessee at Arkansas. To me, this is the toughest game to pick of the day. Tennessee, not sure who they are sometimes. Arkansas, we know who they are. 
and it's been kind of refreshing. I mean, sadly, some of their, their identity realization came at our own expense. But our Arkansas is playing good football, and that's not good news for Mississippi State long-term. We don't need our Arkansas to make a run. We don't need, our, we don't need to start losing our Arkansas every other year. We've got to go up there next year. You know, we've had a great run against them, and then all of a sudden they come to our place and beat us, and we beat ourselves. But they did make some plays down the stretch. I thought Felipe Franks did some things to kind of manage the game. This is a big game for Arkansas. I don't know that it is a big game for Tennessee, and Tennessee is reeling. You know, all these people are like, oh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt and them put together that great, you know, winning streak and everything's going great and everybody loves him and how Phil Fulmer is such a genius. And then uh, they have now lost uh, three in a row. I guess they'd won eight in a row, maybe something like that, including the bowl game. Then they get shelled by Georgia, 44-21. Yeah, I know it was a game at the half, but uh, that's why we play four quarters. And then the next week they pout a little bit and they go to Knoxville and Kentucky absolutely thumps them, 34-7. Then they go play Alabama, 48-17. They get a benefit of a bye week coming into this game. But I like Arkansas at home. I, I do. I mean, I know I think Tennessee has the athletes on offense to kind of make this game interesting, but I – Man, I put me on the bandwagon with Sam Pittman, man. I, I think these guys are going to be ready to go. And, yes, I know Tennessee had a bye week. And, and I, I think, you know, when you've had three bad losses like that, maybe you need the time to regroup. I think Arkansas believes they can win. Belief is a difficult thing to beat back. I mean, it really is. When somebody believes in their heart that they're better than you and that they're supposed to win, it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and on the flip side of that is we've seen this many times at Mississippi State. You know, sometimes you get these players that kind of adopt the natural order of things and say, well, you know, we're Mississippi State. We're just from Mississippi. And Mike Leach has addressed some of that, you know, this year. We're just this. We're just that. And so it's like when you begin to speak it into existence, you begin to believe it. You begin to believe, hey, we're not good enough. And, oh, 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 we're up two touchdowns on Alabama late. Well, we got to find a way to lose this game because we're not supposed to beat Alabama. That's the thing that I think Arkansas has that makes them so dangerous is they believe they're supposed to win. When you believe you're supposed to win, you begin to think, okay, good things happen to us because we're a team of destiny. Good things happen to us because we're supposed to win. And so rather than looking for you know ways to lose or excuses for failure, you start thinking, you know what, let's just keep competing hard until the ghosts show up and kind of give us what's rightfully ours. And that's what I think Arkansas has kind of captured. And it's been kind of remarkable to see, to be honest with you. So I'm going to go to Arkansas in the ballgame. And uh, and I hope they win the game. And it's not that, that Jeremy Pruitt's unlikable, but I think Sam Pittman is extremely likable. And I think he is going to be a very difficult out on the recruiting trail. It's kind of been his calling card. Now all of a sudden he's got a program and, and has got two great coordinators working with him. And uh, this is a program that appears to be on the on the increase. You know, they're they're on the come up. So Sam, don't make me look bad, because you go out there and you lay an egg against this Tennessee team. It's pretty mediocre. Even though many in the SEC media cannot wait to tell you how great Tennessee's going to be next off season. Yeah, I think Tennessee's kind of at the end of a town cycle, to be honest with you. And the fact that the University of Tennessee can't go out and get a blue chip quarterback. You know, where where are we? as a conference and as a league and in college football, when when Tennessee can't go out there and really compete and get these uh, 
you know, five- and four-star quarterbacks that are legit NFL prospects. I mean, let, let's be honest with ourselves. It has been a long time since Tennessee has had an elite quarterback. Mississippi State has had an elite quarterback since Tennessee has. Ole Miss has had an elite quarterback since Tennessee has. I mean, you can just go away around the conference. Maybe everybody, with the exception, maybe Kentucky, have had great quarterbacks. So why does Tennessee continue to get, you know, such poor quarterback play? All due respect to Jared Garantano. That guy's got no business starting in the SEC. And, yeah, he's a tough guy. And, and listen, he's made that's shown some flashes. But, you know, this is Tennessee. And that's the thing that I always get back to. And everybody talks about recruiting rankings. And they talk about, you know, Butch Jones did this and Butch Jones did that. There's a lot of that smoke and mirrors. If you don't go out there and find and cultivate a leader for your program, a guy that's the face of your program, a guy that players gravitate to, the recruits gravitate to, that your fan base gravitates to, then you ain't got a quarterback. That That's the one position you can't just have a serviceable guy. You've got to have a leader. You've got to have a guy out there that inspires other teams. You have, you have their defenses, special teams, everybody figures, you know what, we just need to go out there and do our part to get the ball back into our guy's hands because he's going to go win us a football game, kind of like we were with Dak Prescott. Everybody played better. And, you know, we can pick it apart because we're fans of Mississippi State. But at the end of the day, our program took the jump when Dak Prescott became our quarterback. You know, Tyler Russell kind of paved the way for some of that. But Tyler wasn't the best fit for the Dan Mullen scheme because he couldn't handle the running component. But, you know, he was a guy that could make all the throws. And so I think Tyler, you know, Russell in many ways kind of paved the way for what we saw with Dak. But Dak was exactly what Dan Mullen wanted a quarterback. And everybody said, you know, when, when Dak was a recruit, you know, Dak goes in there and, and is jumping around the weight room and kind of getting guys fired up and pushing guys to do their best. You know, Dak became our guy the first time that he stepped on campus. Not the last time. Because he was that magnanimous personality. He was the guy that everybody kind of looked at and said, you know, that kid, the kid's a star. The kid's a star. So when I look at Tennessee, I think, when's the last time you felt that way about a Tennessee quarterback? Brent Schaefer, maybe? You know, I mean, it's like you begin to look back this, you begin to think, okay, when has Tennessee had the quarterback that was capable of taking over a game and kind of galvanizing that fan base and then putting the rest of the conference on notice? I, I can't remember the last time. You know, they have not had a program-defining player, and I don't know when. And that's the thing. You talk to Tennessee people, oh, we're back, we're back, we're back. You're not. You don't have the talent. You don't have those poster boys. And listen, I know that there's somebody in the marketing department that picks somebody to be on the front of the media guide, but just because you know their name doesn't mean they're a star. How does Tennessee not have a star at quarterback? It, it's, it blows my mind to think with all the resources there and all the tradition that they can't go out there and get a true bona fide blue chip quarterback. And I think that's going to be the difference in the ballgame. Felipe Franks is not a blue chip either, but he had some, you know, he would high C when he's a highly coveted guy. Flipped from LSU to Florida, ends up at Arkansas as a grad transfer. I don't think he was a great fit for the Mullen scheme. But I think this is a guy at home, a veteran guy, that has enough star power and finally probably believing in himself because of the fact that that staff is kind of calling plays within his wheelhouse. I think they're kind of lying in wait for Tennessee. Now, now of course, this 2020, Tennessee may go out there and Garantano become the SEC player of the week. But I think when you begin to look at the tra- trajectory of these two programs, I'd put my money on Arkansas. 
All right, time for the top 10 list. Top 10 list brought to you by the fine folks at MyBookie. You guys are very familiar with them. They've been with me a long time. Between the NFL and college football, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available of your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. If you're the type of guy that likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a parlay together for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games more exciting, but more importantly, they give you the chance to turn an ordinary bet into a real moneymaker. Don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Everybody's capable of beating everybody. Everybody's got a chance to win. You saw it last weekend with the, you know, the, the dead gum Bengals beating the Titans. Game spreads, championship futures, player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action. Start turning your sports knowledge into cold hard cash right there in your wallet. Sign up at my bookie, and when you do, use promo code Boneyard to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. You heard that right. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. You deposit a hundred bucks, they give you a hundred, so you got a hundred bucks of house money to play on right out of the gate. Use promo code Boneyard to activate that offer. All right, so top ten list. Uh, I don't have my notes with me. So I'm kind of having to wing some of this as we go. And, um, you know, today I, I got a bit of an earworm earlier today. You guys know what that's about, right? Just song gets your head, can't get it out. Uh, so I jammed some Greg White on the way home and uh, was excited to do it. And, uh, you know, Jack Russell, that was the glory days of Great White. And here's the thing I'll tell you about Great White, too. You know, they were not, they kind of got mischaracterized because of the the decade of which that they kind of had their heyday. So, Great White is not a metal band. Great White, in many respects, is a rock band, but at their core, they're a blues band. They're a blues rock band, and uh, Jack Russell, one of the best vocalists of the era at the time, but uh, I've actually met Mark Kendall a few times. He's so incredibly down to earth. He's a guy that's in recovery, and uh, he won't mind me saying that. And uh, we've talked about that last time when they were in Biloxi, when I, I went and saw him back in March. And um, it's a great time. And I had a chance to visit Mark a little bit and talk some recovery stuff. And uh guy's doing great. Doing great. Looks great. Sounds great. The band sounds great. Jack's not with the band. But uh, I'm still glad that somebody's still out there singing those songs. You know what I'm saying? And listen, they were in Jackson recently, and the singer got uh, allergic reaction. So Jeff from Slaughter had to get out there and kind of sing it. I know you guys, I wish I could have been there. I was supposed to be there, but uh, had some car trouble. Had to put the car in the shop and had book signings to get to. But um, I really dig Great White. And so some of these top 10 songs are going to be some stuff that maybe you're not quite as familiar with. But because I'm a fan, I can get a little deeper into the catalog. I'm not just going to give you the hits. I'm going to give you my truly my 10 favorite Great White songs. I've got some honorable mentions for you right out of the gate. One of these, I'm sure many of you people are thinking, oh, I know what number one is. And it's not even number one. It's not even in my top ten because it's a cover song. And that's Once Bitten, Twice Shy. That is not a great white original. Now, they had a huge hit with it. Arguably, their best chart top and hit they had. But it's a cover song. Face the Day is a cool track that uh, got some airplay. Love is a Lie is a great ballad. I mean, great. I mean, it is like, probably could have put us in the top 10, but uh, I like some other ones a little bit better. And then Mr. Bone, that's off the Twice Shy album. Mr. Bone is one that's you know, it's kind of a little double entendre there, but uh, great track. I you know, Listen, I dig Great White. I mean, it's like, 
I can listen to them today and it still holds up. Or some bands from the 80s you listen to and, and you can tell it was all built on trends within the industry. But Great White live puts on, Great White in the studio puts on, and they can deliver the same quality of performance in the studio and then they do it on the stage and you feel like, you know what, this is incredible. So if you get a chance to go see Great White, and when we did, it was packed at the Hard Rock in Biloxi. It was packed. And I know a lot of it's because... Uh, a lot of people in my generation, their kids are older now, and they're not ready to retire. You know, they want to get out and go have some fun, so they can go down there to their Hard Rock Casino and get them a room, have a great dinner, and go to the show and have a couple drinks, not worry, have to worry about driving home. And we get to get to see a lot of our favorite bands that we grew up with, because all those guys run out of money and they're touring again. But here is uh, my top 10 Great White tracks. Great White, love them. You should love them, too. Number 10 for me is Call It Rock and Roll. This is one of those kind of sneaky, solid songs in the catalog. It was kind of a late single, and it got a little bit of airplay, but that was around the time radio was changing a little bit. So, uh, you know, bands from the 80s were kind of shunned a little bit. Um, you know, it's just part of the gig. And I, and I love these I love these uh, people on Twitter that say, I can't believe you still listen to that stuff. I can't believe you don't. I mean, there's such a void in rock and roll music right now. I mean, true rock and roll. Listen, there's a lot of bands that I love today. Love Alter Bridge. I love Bring Me the Horizon. I love Bad Omens. Uh, I could give you a list a mile long of all the new bands that I love, but there are not a lot of true headliners out there. Yeah, I mean, we can trot Corn and Metallica out there again, but in many respects, as much as I love and respect those bands, they're kind of becoming nostalgia acts. You know, the new, the new material is not holding up uh, and that's one of the first signs, you know, when guys begin, when bands begin to kind of wane a little bit, is you know, the song quality begins to go down. But, you know, there, there's a reason that all these bands from the 80s are touring again and selling out arenas everywhere. And it's not because the music is bad. It's because of the fact people still want to rock. Number nine, this is a B-side off of uh, the Can't Get There From Here album, which is one of my favorite Great White albums. But the song, it's a blues-based song, Ain't No Shame. And uh, listen, this is one of those ones, if you're not familiar with the catalog, if you just know the hits, when you plug this in, it's going to sound like a single. It's going to sound like a single. I've heard this song somewhere before, and you probably haven't. But it should have been a radio hit. Uh, Number eight off the uh, Once Bitten album, it's all over now. And uh, I don't think there's a bad song on that album. That's really the album that kind of got me into Great White. And then I went back and... Kind of listen to some of the earlier catalog, like In Strikes and things like that. But uh, that Once Bidden album was the one that kind of put them over the top. That's the one that kind of put them in heavy rotation on MTV. And that's and back in those days, you had to have image, you had to have style, you had to have substance. But uh, if you were on MTV, you were nothing back in the 80s. All right, number, uh, number seven for me is uh, the Angel Song. And uh, really a power ballad. But here's the thing about that's different about Great White is that Jack Russell was such a, a gifted vocalist. I mean, Jack can still hit some of the notes. But, I mean, listen, let's be honest, he's lost a step or two. But, you know, Jack's one of the only people that I know that, that really could pull off, like, Led Zeppelin covers. Like when they did Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You and did the Immigrant Song. When Jack sang those songs, it didn't sound like karaoke. I mean, like, he could hit those big Robert Plant notes. So he's a very skilled vocalist. And I think that really kind of carries over. Like, on the ballad work, the Angel song is a beautiful song. 
It's beautifully written and it's beautifully sung, and I think it's probably one of Jack Russell's shining moments with Greg White. Number six, in my mind, uh, the probably the second best ballad in the catalog, and it was a huge hit. And uh, I would put it higher on the list, but the development in the song is really kind of weak. I mean, you really just kind of repeating the chorus over and over again. And despite how beautifully it's sung, I think the song itself probably lacks a little bit of substance. I think the the, the verses are uh, are kind of lacking. I mean, it, it's it's a great song, but the chorus gets a little bit repetitive, and I think it's something that probably should have been worked out in the mix. But um, it's save your love, and and at some point, all of us have felt that way, and that's maybe one of the reasons that I love it as much as I do is because it's one of those songs that. Uh, you know, you listen to it and it takes you back to a place where uh, you know, maybe life was a little more complicated. Number five, and this is, listen, guys, this is one of those songs that should have been a huge hit. And uh, they don't play it live anymore, which is a shame, but it's a uh, mistreater. She's a mean mistreater. And it is, man, the guitar on this rips. It's such a great riff. Uh, I love the way that they balance the bass line and all this stuff. It's not, you know, it's not four guys out there uh, doing their own thing. You know, it's when you listen to how that this song is built and how you know Mark comes in and the next thing you know, the bass line comes in and it's like they're not competing. It's it, it's so well orchestrated. I absolutely love the track. I, I think if that had been released as a single, it probably goes to number one. Number four, one that was a single. But it was around the time, again, when uh, music was really weird. You know, when some of you thought you were cool because you're listening to Blink-182 and stuff like that. And, and that, that's Listen, I'm not going to shame anybody about their musical taste. I got accused of that every once in a while. And I really I don't mean to be that way. But that whole era, you know, when Blink-182 and bands like that, you know, were, were, were on main radio. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo, get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. 
Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Play. They weren't headliners. And, and it's, it's so crazy to think about how that w- music was adapting and kind of changing because uh, you know the, the, the L.A. metal scene got so incredibly bloated that you needed something. Well, then we had grunge, and grunge was great. I mean, it's absolutely great. It's still rock and roll. I mean, it's, like, it's not like grunge and metal were competing factions. But it was great. And things got a little bit darker. You know, and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and bands like that, you know, people wrote about suicide and they wrote about heroin and things of that nature. And, and so we didn't have the nothing but a good times that we had in the 80s. I mean, things got a little more serious. You know, Smashing Pumpkins was great. You know, and I, I still love pumpkins. I still listen to the pumpkins. But, you know, once, you know, there's only so many years you can listen to all that stuff about killing yourself. I mean, it, and, and it's ironic, and I guess maybe not so ironic, that a lot of the people that were involved in that movement are dead. Many of them killed themselves. I mean, how many times do you got to get out there and feel that way? I mean, it's, you know, but in a post-grunge world, there weren't many great headliners. You know, the new metal came along, you know, with, you know, with Limp Bizkit and Korn, and, and there were some other bands, you know, that, that kind of latched on to that. You know, that, that's why I think if Rage Against the Machine had stuck together, I think rock and roll would be in a much different place right now because that era needed Rage Against the Machine as a true headliner worldwide. We lost them. All right, but... Uh, Rolling Stoned is the song. I kind of rambled on a little bit there. kind of got on my soapbox a bit. But Rolling Stoned was the first single off of the Can't Get There From Here album. And as a guy in recovery, it means a lot to me. And uh, I have uh, shared that song with many people over the years because I think it is, it is a number one, it's a cool track. But uh, I think it's one of those deals, too, where, uh, you know, Jack and those guys were kind of working to get sober and... Uh, I guess it was on that uh, Call It Rock and Roll tour where uh, the first one they had when they were sober. They went back out on the road and were played clubs instead of doing arenas just because of the fact that they were trying to kind of keep it a little bit smaller. And um, got a chance to see them on this tour. Rolling Stone, an absolute great song. Uh, number three, an absolute banger. I mean, it opens up the Once Bitten album. And uh, you can watch a video of it, but it's... And Mark Kendall's opening riff on Lady Red Light, to me, just kind of sets the tone for what was a great album, uh, the Once Bitten album. Lady Red Light, a minor hit, 
but to me, I, I think it is one of the defining moments of the Great White Catalog. Number two, the best ballad, and it is an absolute blues standard type riff. It's the House of Broken Love. And uh, I love, lyrically, I think this is one of Jack's best tracks. Uh, it opens up when it says, In the morning, don't wake me, because I'll be dreaming that I'm free. You know, how many times have you heard that, you know, basically in the Muddy Waters and the Robert Johnson catalog? I mean, it's like, it's exactly, you know, some guy that's in a bad relationship, and he's just, you know, he's not quite ready to make the move, but he's miserable. And the whole song is about that. You know, it's like I'm, I'm sleeping with the devil with no help from above. I'm sleeping with the devil in this house of broken love. It is it is a great blues song. Don't get it twisted. These guys are not a hair metal band. They're a blues band. But number one, the big hit for them, the real hit, the one that put them over, it's Rock Me. And it's about six minutes and 15 seconds of absolutely pure, unadulterated rock and roll. Got two guitar solos in it. Mark Kendall, I think the second was even better than the first. Great lyrics, great bass line, great percussion. It, it is a shining moment. I think it is probably the most underrated song of the entire 80s. Uh, I know, again, some of you guys thinking, Steve, I wasn't even born in the 80s. Well, you know, a lot of great music was. And I would encourage you to go back, put on Great White. If you want, if you want to get to know Great White right out of the gate, this top 10 I think will get you there. But uh, certainly those top five I, I think are uh, – Huge, huge moments for Great White. And I'm so glad that they're still touring and so glad that they're still selling out arenas and people have a chance to go see them, even though Jack's not with the band anymore. Uh, it's cool to go back. And uh, matter of fact, when I was, I guess the last time I saw them, uh, Artie Cosby was there. Artie Cosby and his wife were there. in Mississippi State kicker and his bride. And so... That's kind of cool, too, because I think it's taking some people our age and kind of putting us back out there in the, in the arenas and uh, having a good time again. So it's okay to let your hair down a little bit. So so there you go. That's your top ten list. Great White. Roy will have the, uh, the playlist out for you uh, a little bit later. And for those of you that are unaware, I'm out here with Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart, uh, you know, great sponsors for me. I tell you, they feel like family. Every time I go anywhere... Uh, with them, it's you know they treat me a lot better than I deserve. And uh, stand to man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, they'll treat you better than you deserve too. They'll treat you like family. Uh, it really is a family, and I, it's so incredible to be able to go out and see all these Mississippi State people that that know Miss Kathy Brown when they come to this campus bookmark events and stuff. They they know who she is, and um, and rightfully so. But we're in Jackson and uh, Mistletoe Marketplace, and uh, it's it's crazy to see. How many people have come through the Campus Bookmart booth and are like, hey, I worked there when I was in college, or I got my textbooks there when I was in college, or I parked in their parking lot when I was a commuter in college. A lot of people have a connection to Campus Bookmart, and uh, you should too. Order some stuff today. You know, Maybe you don't want to come to Mistletoe Marketplace. Maybe you just want to order some stuff online. You can. Visit them at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And remember, these are Mississippi State people selling Mississippi State products to other Mississippi State people. Okay, don't go to, don't go to Amazon. Don't do it. Support our local vendors. And uh, Campus Bookmart is the one that supports this show, and it allows me to do it. So I, I beg of you to support them. All right, so let's talk a little about Mississippi State football. So... I've gotten some news. Yeah, I'm, I'm away from Starkville, but I've heard some things that are somewhat unsettling. Uh, 
And so uh, I don't have any confirmed names, but I am told that we're going to be without a couple players this weekend um, due to COVID-related matters. And uh, you don't know if it's contact tracing, don't know if it's positive testing, but obviously somebody somewhere in the uh, you know in that circle of influence is tested positive. And uh, I had people reaching out and said, "Oh, you know, Steve, I've heard this, heard that." You know, I remember when all the Will Rogers stuff came up. You know, people were thinking, "Oh, I had people. I was on my way to 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 tell us you, and I got people texting me. Are we even going to play a game? Take a breath." Okay, take a breath. There's a plan in place to always ensure that uh, we kind of limit as much of that contract tracing as we can. It's not like that we just kind of woke up one day and got lucky. You know, there's been a plan in place for a long time. Mississippi State has been really fortunate. We haven't had a whole lot of people uh, test positive, but we've had some. But uh, I expect there to be some, uh, you know, some some reshuffling in the in the trenches, uh, to say the least. Will that be enough to cause us to lose a ball game? No, I don't think so. If we lose a ball game, it's going to be because we don't go play well. It's going to be when we lose a ball game, it's going to be because we turn football over. We get bad quarterback play, bad offensive line play. We, we get more of the same. If we lose, that's why. It isn't going to be about a, uh, a nostril test. I expect to go into football game. And uh, listen, Vanderbilt is one of those things, and I had this discussion with some people tonight. You know, Vanderbilt's just not very good. And people say, well, you know, we're not either. You know what? But that's true. But we're beating ourselves a lot. You know, Vanderbilt's just not even really able to compete a whole lot. You know, they're, they're a lot of three and outs. Now, they're not turning the football over a lot. They're not creating a lot of turnovers either. And so, at the end of the day, Mississippi State has more talent than Vanderbilt. Is better coach than Vanderbilt, and it's high time to Mississippi State and Mike Leach put this thing together. Now, do I expect a masterpiece? No. I do expect State to go out there and win and likely cover the spread. You know, as one astute Bone Guard listener and uh, book reader said tonight, you know, Ole Miss went out and put 50-something points on those guys. This is not a good Vanderbilt team, and that's saying a lot because there hadn't been a lot of great Vanderbilt teams since James Franklin left. This is one of the worst. They've got players suspended, including their leading rusher. Their second, their second leading tackler is out with an injury. They're starting a freshman quarterback against a three-three-five scheme. We're going to go out there and put pressure on him, and he's going to see things he's never seen before. We're going to put pressure on him and force him into turnovers. And, we, and listen, we may need that. We may need a non-offensive touchdown to kind of get us going. And you know what? That's cool too. At this point, you know we're we're we're, we're needy, not greedy. We just want to go out there and put points on the board whatever way we can do it. And I believe we probably get a non-offensive touchdown, whether it be a return or a pick six or a scoop and score. I think we get something outside of the offense. But I also do expect Will Rogers to start um, unless something's changed. You know, like in the next 24 hours, uh, I do expect him to start. Uh, I do expect Jaquavius Marks to start. You know, and again, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with these final COVID tests. You know, I'm told a handful of guys tested positive. Can't get confirmation on the names. Uh, and listen, nobody's going to confirm that. And, it's, and it gets it's frustrating for us, too. I want to make sure that you guys get that. You know, it's our job to produce information for you guys. And that's got to be accurate information. I mean, yeah, I mean I'm not going to be like these other folks that, uh, you know, they, they flip their own commitment, you know, like they did with C.J. Hampton or whatever. You know, they're going to they flip their own commitment back to themselves. And then, you know, well, you know, 
this kid that committed to Ole Miss that uh, you know had offers initially from Nickel State and Northwestern State. By the time signing day gets here, Notre Dame and Clemson are, are beating down his door. I'm not going to give you that kind of stuff because I don't believe in that because I know it's complete horse hockey. But it's frustrating for us when there is news out there and we can't get it. And then when it comes to medical-type situations, the university is always going to err on the side of the, the protection and privacy of our student-athletes, as they should. Nobody should tell us that stuff. Now, we're out here working the phones. You know, we're working sources and trying to find out. And that's one of the reasons that I, I'm told that we got four, or four and as many as five players that won't play Saturday uh, due to COVID. Now, told that, uh, you know, most of those guys, or at least half those guys, are, uh, you know, not starters. But we got a couple guys that uh, are in the rotation that may not start every game, but we got a couple guys that play a lot of snaps that we're expected to lose. And, and again, can't get confirmation of the names. And if I would, I would share them with you. But uh, the reality situation is that we've actually handled this COVID thing pretty well. And to expect us to go through this relatively unscathed is a bit naive. You know, yeah, Will Rogers is out for a while. And there's been a handful that have been out, and some of them have been non-contributors, so they didn't hit the radar. But uh, this one might be a little bit different. Okay, and I don't mean to send you in a panic, and I know what's going to happen on the message boards and stuff. And as we get information, we'll share it with you. But, uh, you know, we're, we're not in the business of just kind of putting something out there just for the fun of it. But uh, I, I will tell you that, uh, that many of the rumors that people have sent to me are untrue. You know, I've had people say, oh, we may not even be able to play a game this week. Uh, that's not the information that I have. Now, that, that might change tomorrow. You know, I mean, I've been tucked away up here working 13 hours signing books. And so, you know, maybe some people have better information than me. But the information that I have is just uh, four or five players. And, uh, you know, I've had a couple of names thrown at me that, uh, that are speculative in nature, but it would be unfair to the players involved to put that out there and then them not be in the mix. So if we can't get some type of confirmation, we're not going to report that stuff. But I think it's important for you guys to kind of understand that there's some guys out there that you, know, you, you might be short a couple of guys and you're look, looking around and say, hey, we're so-and-so, we're so-and-so, you know. You know, it's... It's just 2020, man. <laughs> what, what do you want me to say? It's 2020. We're kind of figuring it all out. But I still expect State to win the ball game, and then we'll see what happens next week. We'll take this thing a game at a time, a week at a time. But I know this. I know the Mississippi State fan base needs a win, and I don't even need it to be, be pretty. I'd like for us to find some cohesiveness on offense and find some rhythm and be able to put up a bunch of points and everybody feel good and think, okay, we're taking a step in the right direction. I think everybody needs that. But above all things, we just need to put a win in the column. We just need to put another notch under the W and say, okay, we can exhale a little bit. Okay, gosh, man, all right, good. You know, we're not where we want to be, but we've taken another step getting there, you know. Uh, and listen, I, you know, it's going to be one of those deals too where, you know, if Will Rogers starts, which I expect, you know, it might be a tussle for a half, but I think Will is an incredible competitor, and I think he is capable of running this game. And I think, I think his time has come, and I think the team will rally around him, and I think they'll do a good job for him. But that's not to say it's going to be perfect on on Saturday, because it's not. It's not going to be perfect. We're starting a, starting a freshman. He's going to make some mistakes. He's going to miss some reads. He's going to tuck it and go when he shouldn't. He's going to throw it when he when he probably should keep it. 
Guy's a freshman, but he's also a guy with an incredibly high football IQ. He's a coach's kid. He's grown up breaking down film. That's the reason that he's in the position that he's in right now is because of the fact that he is uh, he's a student of the game. And he's had some mop-up reps, so it's not like we're just kind of throwing him to the wolves. I mean, he, he has an idea of what an SEC defensive line looks like. I mean, he played against three-quarters against Alabama last week. But it's his time. And, uh, and so I feel good about it, and I hope, that, uh, hope that he does as well, and I hope we find a way to kind of make some good things happen for him. All right, listen, those of you that are thinking about moving to Starkville or those who are thinking about having a second home in Starkville or perhaps just kind of moving across the neighborhood, you're thinking, you know what, Steve, I've been out here in the country for a while. I want to have uh, something a little closer to town. Our friends at Portico, they're ready to help you. New residential development, 1.1 miles from campus, easy access to 25 and 82 Great, great, great location right there off Garrard Road, or Garrett Road, pardon me, um, you know, behind the, uh, the Jeep dealership over there. You've all passed that, you know, when you come into town, you know what I'm talking about. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a nice complex, you know, they're not going to be all these spaces and stuff, you know, there's, there, sometimes these people start these residential complexes and they get a couple of houses built, lose interest, not the case, not the case. Got about 18 homes, I guess, that are nearing uh, move-in condition, and then they'll have, uh, you know, do around 30 or so after the turn of the year. It's going to be 51 homes total. Going to have a walking trail, all that good stuff. Our beloved Diamond Dog, Brooks Bryan's part of that deal. He's part of it. You can find Brooks Bryan on all forms of social media, uh, or you can give him a call. And uh, Brooks is happy to take care of you guys and kind of get you going at Portico. If Portico is the place for you, Brooks is a guy to call. Brooks has got a contact, and uh, you're going to have homes from two to four thousand square feet, two bath, two bedroom, up to four bath, four bedroom. You listen, it's uh, listen, it's time you made the move to Starkville anyway. We want you up here. I don't want a long line downtown when I'm ready to go get a plate lunch, though. But uh, we want you around on game day. Come be a part of our family here in Starkville. Reach out to Brooks Bryan and other fine folks at Portico. You can reach Brooks. At 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. He might even talk to you about the time that he uh, robbed a home run that sent us to Omaha. How about that? That's pretty cool, huh? All right, so I talked to you guys, too, about um, you know Mistletoe Marketplace. So I'm going to be Mistletoe Marketplace from 830 I'm gonna to try to get there a little bit earlier, but uh, you know it's already after 1 o'clock in the morning here, so I, I got to get up and do some things before I get out of here. Um, until 9 30 tomorrow night and then i'll hit the road home to starkville and then saturday we'll be at campus bookmart on campus you know right there off campus campus bookmart we'll be there with stand man uh saturday before we go over to uh to the ball game ball game kicks off 2 30 and then uh, sunday i'll be downtown with miss carolyn abadi at bookmart cafe the next week you know we'll let you know you know it's like uh i, I kind of live week to week we got some big things coming up and every time I turn around, they're adding something else to the calendar. And so, but what's cool is there's been so many people that uh, have already read the book and come back to buy more, to buy them as gifts, and uh, had a chance to visit with Stacey Mangum uh, last week and then earlier tonight. And, um, you know, Jake's in the book. And uh, it's always so cool to me. You know, it's like when we add these players, we add their families too. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing about, especially our baseball families, it's a little bit different, you know, because they all kind of congregate after the game, and you know, they're there's this travel group, 
you know, they all kind of keep up with each other and they, they, you know, week in, week out, they're, they're like a family. And um, it's weird not having the Mangums around. You know, it's weird not having Jennifer Horton around. You know, Elijah McNamee's mom and that family. You know, it's weird because you get accustomed to seeing the same people and one day they're gone. And I wrote a chapter about Jake in the new book. Matter of fact, that was the first interview that I did for the new book. Broke down some things and had him kind of talk about, you know, playing at Mississippi State. And he shared that he, you know, he was an Alabama football fan, but he was always a Mississippi State baseball fan because of Ron Polk. He kind of looked at Ron Polk the way that Alabama fans, you know, looked at, uh, you know, Bear Bryant. You know, Ron Polk was a giant in the game. And in the eyes of Jake Mangum, he thought, you know what, I want to go play for that. I want to go look and see what Ron Polk built at Mississippi State and be a part of that. And uh, it's it's so cool to see the families interact. And then even after they're gone, to see how much it means for them to be in a part of our extended families. And I don't know that I've talked to Stacey Mangum since since Jake left Mississippi State, where she hadn't been in tears talking about how much they love Mississippi State and how much it meant to them that Mississippi State fans made their experience so wonderful. Not just Jake's experience, but John and Stacey Mangum and the rest of the family. You know, John, you know, played at Alabama. But, uh, you know, John's Bulldog too. And when you begin to look and see what you know, Jake Mangum did for Mississippi State, I don't know that he does it at Alabama. I don't know that he's got the pieces around him at Alabama to put together what he did. And I give John Cohen a lot of credit for recruiting Jake and, uh, and you know, Jake played as a freshman. You know, Jake really began to kind of come into his own on the road in Nashville at Vanderbilt. Him and Cole Gordon were the heroes that night. We go up there and win that series, and all of a sudden we start believing a little bit. Next thing you know, we win an SEC championship. And when you go back and you look at the fact that, uh, you know, Jake Mangum wins an SEC championship, goes to the Super Regionals every year of his career, goes to Omaha twice. There's not a lot of people that got a better college baseball resume than Jake Mangum. And he's our guy. And one of the things that always impressed me so much about Jake, and many of you probably don't know this because, you know, you don't have kids. You don't come to, you know, get autographs, this sort of stuff. But Jake Mangum always gave everybody their five minutes. Everybody. And he never acted irritated or rushed or that he didn't have time. And there will be so many times after a big ball game that uh, Jake comes out and then there's this big crush of, uh, of young ball players. You know, young guys, you know, they want to get a picture and they want to get – they're so afraid that, you know, Jake's only going to sign a handful of things and it's not going to be theirs. And then Jake would always say, hey, guys, listen, I'm going to be here until everybody gets their picture taken and everybody gets their autograph signed. And he did it with a smile on his face. And that says a lot about his family and his parents. And uh, I'm glad that he was our guy. And it has been my honor to kind of capture some of his story in, in Alpha Dogs. I've had so many people reach out that have read the book and talk about how much they enjoy the baseball stories. But, uh, you know, a lot of Game of Change fans, too. A lot of people didn't know as much about that story as they thought. And I learned a lot myself. But uh, it's one of those things that makes you proud. And uh, I shared with somebody earlier that graduated Mississippi State with Mitch Moreland. And uh, we talked a little bit about Mitch. And a lot of people wondered, you know, how difficult it was to get Mitch on the phone. Had to go through the Red Sox and get that all set up. But uh, 
And the lady told me, said, listen, Mitch gets a lot of requests for interviews, and he doesn't do them all. And I said, listen, just tell Mitch that it's Steve Robertson from Jeans Page. And she goes, okay. Didn't know what Jeans Page was at all. And then the very next day, she emails me back, and she said, hey, Mitch is really excited to do the interview. How soon can you do it? And they were in spring training then. And uh, you get him on the phone, and it's like he's not a World Series champ. You know, all of a sudden, you know, he's that kid that's coming to Mississippi State baseball camp, and all of a sudden, you know, he's talking about Ron Polk, and he's talking about, you know, what Mississippi State could be and what what he grew up watching. And uh, it's incredible to think, you know, Mitch is now a World Series champ. We got the Moreland Hitting Tunnel. His name is on that. And, uh, you know, he's kind of mentioned in connection with the guys that he idolized and uh, talked a little bit about why he picked Mississippi State because Ole Miss was kind of the cool school among in-state baseball recruits at that time. And uh, he didn't go. He didn't go because Mississippi State baseball meant something to him. Wearing that M over S meant something to him. Yeah, he had other opportunities. Yeah, he had other offers. But this is a lifelong designation. That's one of the things I think some people, it escapes some people, especially with this transfer portal business the way that it is, and that's, and that's a valuable tool for a lot of people. But when you put on that M over S, you put on the M maroon and white, and you go out there and you play at Dirty Noble Field, there is, it is a hallowed experience. And you know what I'm saying. You know, we have such a respect for our baseball players and for our baseball program and for our baseball coaches and all the people that have brought us so many great memories over the years. There, there is a respect unlike anything else related to Mississippi State than there is for this baseball program. And so having a chance to talk to Ted Milton and Mike Kelly and Bruce Castoria and Mark Gillespie and Rafael Palmero. Mitch Moreland and Jake Mangum, those are those are things that uh, that I hold dear. And to hear, you know, Coach Milton, those guys talk about, you know, what it meant to go to Omaha for the first time. It's something we almost take for granted and, and, and shame on us for doing that. You know, we've had a good run here as of late, but, uh, you know, we've always had a great baseball program. But Paul Gregory was the one that kind of, you know, him and Coach DeArmack, uh put us over the hump. You know, we went from being a good Southern a good Southern baseball program to being like a national level team. And we finally get to Omaha and Mike Kelly and those guys show up and Polk, Polk begins to recruit nationally. Now all of a sudden, wait, Mississippi State's been to Omaha. We can get back if you come play with us. And next thing you know, we got Bruce Castori coming from New York. We got Mike Kelly coming from Chicago. We, we weren't just a good Southern team anymore. We were a national brand. We were on the verge of being a national contender. Then you got Will Clark coming from Jesuit High School, and you got you know one of Havana Cuba's favorite sons, Rafael Palmero, turning down the opportunity to play for the defending national champ, Miami Hurricanes, to come play at Mississippi State. And a lot of that tradition is based on a lot of players that we don't talk about a lot. And those are the things that are important to me. When I get ready to write these books, those are the things I think about. I reach out to people and I say, you know, who's got a great story that hadn't really been told yet? It's got a great story. You know, let's begin to kind of put the stair steps together because contrary to the popular belief of some, we didn't start playing baseball in 1985. We've been a good baseball program for a long, long time. And listen, I'm like all of you, I'm jonesing for a national championship as well. But it doesn't diminish the things that we have done. But the only thing missing is the crown jewel. 
So if you're interested in reading those stories, I encourage you to go to alphadogsthebook.com. You can get Alpha Dogs there. You can get Stark Villains there. And we're selling a bunch of Stark Villains here at the, uh, the Mistletoe Marketplace. A lot of people are looking to find more stories from their own era. I tried to include something from pretty much every decade, the last eight decades or so in both of these books. But uh, we're also having some Ole Miss readers by Flim Flam. And I don't know that all of them realize what they're buying. And that's okay. It's not my job to talk them out of buying a book. But um, it's so funny. I had somebody buy a book today that said uh, they saw a tweet from uh, some Ole Miss media people within the book. And they said, hey, uh, I, listen, I know my husband follows these guys. I'll take it. Okay, cool. Uh, enjoy. And I hate to be the Grinch that still steals the Rebel Christmas. But, uh, you know, if you're looking to get a hold of that, you maybe buy buy the uh, the book Flim Flam for your old Miss brother-in-law. You can do that, too. Go to alphadogsbook.com, and you can take care of all of it right there. But uh, if you're in Jackson, come out. Mistletoe Marketplace, you got to buy tickets. It's a process for all that stuff. And so I can't really talk about all that stuff. But uh, come out. I'll be there again around 8.30 to 9.30 on Friday. And then right back in Star Vegas. I'll drive home and go to bed and get up and do it all again on Saturday morning. And then we'll go cover a ball game. And we're going to go beat Vanderbilt. And I need everybody to get on board with that. Stop all the nonsense. We're going to go beat Vanderbilt. We're going to get a, kind of a week to kind of get a reprieve from some of all this negativity. I think we're going to play much better with Will Rogers under center. And, uh, you know, listen, things can change quickly, as we've seen with these COVID tests and stuff like that. But, um, listen, we're not Vanderbilt. We hadn't always played up to our potential. But uh, we're going to play better on Saturday. And, and listen, I, I think it's important for everybody to just kind of hold the row here and, and understand that uh, it is a process. And, listen, it's been kind of disillusioned for me, too, You can, you know, to think about – I didn't know we were going to have to blow the whole thing up to build it up again. I thought we were in pretty solid standing. I mean, it just seems like we've had a lot of things happen for a team that's had 10 straight bowl games. But uh, I do believe in Mike Leach. I do believe in the direction of this football program. And um, I hope that you do too. And my hope is that on Saturday we'll get some evidence that we are actually making some progress. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for your time and your effort and your support of the Boneyard all these many years. And thanks so much for you guys that come out to these book signings and tell me, hey, I listened to the show. Uh, it's nice to know you guys are out there. I mean, I get all these algorithms and these reports and these analytics and things like that, but um, nothing compares to your smiling faces and a chance for us to kind of get together and talk some Mississippi State sports. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the support for jeanspage.com, for the books, for the show, for the Facebook Live events and everything else. Uh, we are in this thing together, and uh, I, I enjoy being able to kind of articulate my thoughts and kind of share where we are from time to time with you guys. And so... Come by, say hello, and uh, if you're in Starkville this weekend, be sure to ring those cowbells loud. We need every single one of you. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.